The Medical Board of California was established to help protect patients by licensing doctors and investigating complaints when things go wrong. The vast majority of healthcare professionals are good and essential, of course, as this pandemic has especially shown. But some aren't. And that's where the medical board is supposed to come in and protect the public. So what happens when the people meant to provide oversight see claims that doctors have left some patients dead, paralyzed, or missing limbs, and let those doctors keep practicing? I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's Monday, August 9th, 2021. The Olympics are over, and the U.S. tops all countries in total medals won, with 113, and gold medals with 39. The number of new coronavirus cases in the U.S. has approximately doubled since two weeks ago, and so has the number of daily COVID deaths. And researchers at UC Berkeley released a study that shows squirrels are smarter and more dexterous than they thought. My dudes, you could have just looked at the ones that steal my avocados. Today, we speak with LA Times investigative reporter, Jack Dolan. He, along with his colleague, Kim Christensen, looked into how and why the Medical Board of California rarely takes away the licenses of problem doctors and has long pushed back against calls to toughen their approach. And we'll also hear from people who are operated on by doctors on probation and woke up from their surgery worse off than ever before. I am a T12 incomplete paraplegic. I was injured by a surgeon in 2013. I had a surgery on my back. When I woke up, I was paralyzed from the waist down. I didn't know uh, what was happening. My surgeon told me that it was from a spinal stroke that I had, that I, that I had a brain bleed. I'm just relying on the information that my doctor's telling me. Well, six months down the line, I go see a primary physician and he checks my latest CAT scan and asks me, have you spoken to your surgeon about this, the results? And he said, no, not yet. He says, well, I'm not a brain surgeon, but I think you need a second opinion. I call somebody at Cedars-Sinai, get into an appointment there, and uh, he says, hey, I'm not the guy you need to talk to, but from looking at your scans, it's not a brain bleed that caused this. So then I made the appointment with the surgeon that I needed to see, which was Dr. Rasuli, and that's when he told me this was not caused by a brain bleed. And that's when I started to get the sense of what really happened. From there, we made arrangements to have the second set of surgeries to kind of stabilize my spine, and that's when I reached out to uh, my malpractice attorneys. And that's when I really started getting all my medical records and found out what really happened. That he had torn my dura, that I had spinal fluid that had gone up and down my spine, and he did not go in right away to fix it. And that's what caused the damage. That was Lenora Lewis, and she was part of a recent series by LA Times investigative reporters Jack Dolan and Kim Christensen. Jack was twice a Pulitzer Prize finalist for his work looking into problems in the medical industry, most recently this year. Jack, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having me. You and Kim looked at medical board disciplinary records going back to 2008 and found several doctors charged with serious medical malpractice. The pattern we discovered was that these doctors 
time and time again would be told that their license is being revoked, but then the revocation is stayed and they're instead put on probation and allowed to continue practicing. And what we found was kind of the predictable. If you do that, some other patient is going to pay a very steep price. And that happened over and over again. The cases that both you and Kim found, at some point you wondered, geez, what does a doctor have to do to actually get his or her license revoked? If the medical board basically charges you with malpractice, if you fail to respond at all, you will lose your license. But if you respond, no matter how lame the response is, the medical board will almost always default to saying, well, we're revoking your license, but we're going to stay that action and put you on probation instead. It happens all the time. And it happens in staggering cases. I mean, we found uh, a doctor, Mukesh Misra. He's a neurosurgeon up in um, Lancaster, and he has... Uh, paralyzed patients. The medical board found that he was responsible for paralyzing the patient. He has killed patients, and it just happens over and over, and they keep putting him on probation. The medical board made findings against these doctors. Almost most of them did not admit it as part of their settlements with the board. Most of the doctors we've written about have been sued more than a dozen times, which is astonishing. I mean, we all sort of kind of in the back of our heads think doctors get sued all the time. It's not true. Most doctors have not been sued at all. Those who have been sued, maybe once, right? If you get sued a dozen times, something's up, right? So these doctors have been sued more than a dozen times. And then they go to the medical board, which is a jury of their peers. And I mean, emphasis on peers who decided that, yeah, you know what? That's on you. You made that mistake. That was malpractice. But instead of revoking their license and making it stick, they revoked the license and put them on probation. A lot of the people that you profiled or tried to get comments from refused any comment, but Dr. Mishra actually responded to some of the questions you had. He responded very briefly in a phone conversation with my colleague, Kim. I, with our photographer, Carolyn Cole, waited outside his office for comment once and we got some photos of him. And his attorney ultimately did call us back and said, look, you know, the the medical board made its judgment and the medical board decided he was okay to be on probation, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, the board spokesperson sent you an email saying that whenever possible, the board tries to, quote, aid in the rehabilitation of the doctor, but that protecting the public is its highest priority. But then a few days ago, we asked them how some of the board's policies and practices help protect the public, and they declined to comment. After this break, Jack describes patients who had been inadvertently amputated or paralyzed after surgeries. Jack, you and Kim profiled several patients who have accused their doctors of serious negligence, and one of them was Tammy Martinez. Here's an interview that you had with her. Only thing I remember after that is waking up in my bed, having cuts on the other leg here, 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 and up here. And those weren't supposed to be there. No. This was back surgery. Right, and my stomach is not hurting. It's my leg. I never felt my stomach. So it was like, I was kind of woke up, what the Hey, but wait a minute. So nurses come in, I call them, I go, what's going on? Well, you had difficulty in the the operating room and you're fine now and, um, so these are like 
big cuts? Were they stitched up? Were they sutured? Oh, they were stitched yeah, up. Right. Yeah, but they had, you know, I looked like a freaking map. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, what? what? Yeah. There was nothing wrong with this leg, man. What is going on? What do you remember about that interview with Tammy? This is a woman who, she was a truck driver. She hurt her back. She was on workers' comp. She really wasn't getting better. She didn't want back surgery. Her workers' comp benefits were running out. Her attorney steered her to a neurosurgeon who said he could fix it. The neurosurgeon is currently under federal indictment for one of the most notorious healthcare fraud rings in California history. The neurosurgeon that Tammy got referred to was one of those doctors. He lived in San Diego. Tammy gets brought up here. Um, while they're doing this surgery, they cut off circulation to her leg and they didn't notice. And it was like some staff member noticed that her leg was cold and pale and there was no pulse in her foot. So they did this like, you know, massive attempt to try to unblock, you know, the artery. It didn't work. They discharged her anyway. 36 hours later, she's driving herself in agony to a hospital in San Diego where they tell her her leg is gangrenous and it will have to be amputated. And this doctor has had his license revoked and uh, stayed and put on probation over and over again. If you look him up in the medical board's records, there is no mention of the fact that he's under federal indictment in this giant fraud scheme. He's in fact in jail. I was texting with the medical board asking, is his license still valid? And they're like, yep, sure is. As long as he, as long as he complies with the probation, he's good to go which is just, you know, mind-boggling to a layman, right? I'm, I'm looking at this guy at the defense table. And it's not just the physical pain that Tammy went through. She also talked to you about the emotional pain with her grandkids. She's a really vibrant and outgoing and, and really athletic and active person. She loses her leg and she spirals into a depression. She's got two young grandkids that she's desperate to, you know, teach them how to play basketball and go play softball with them and stuff like that. And she can't do any of that. The biggest thing for me is that I don't have a bond with my grandkids. Because when all of this started, my grandson was three. And my little girl wasn't born yet. So going through life with that leg at first, and not being able to be the person I could have been with them, was the worst. And then it took my job away. I. Always had to work for minimum wage because I've always been on welfare. And I finally had a freaking good job that I could support me and my kids and my, you know. Part of the actions, Jack, of the medical board is to refer doctors for evaluation or rehabilitation. But based on the findings of you and Kim, is this actually happening and does it work? It clearly does not work. First of all, there's no limit to the number of times you can be, you know, have your license revoked, stayed and put on probation, which just, you know, like what other field is that the case in, right? You know, if you and I get put on probation, we know we're walking a very thin line, right? And so that happens all the time. They impose terms and rules of probation, but there's no evidence of enforcement. They have to inform the board if they've been sued. 
And we had one doctor who, you know, signed the deal, said he would do that, then failed to inform the board. The board asked him four times, both verbally and in writing, have you been sued? He lied, you know, blatantly lied under penalty of perjury. They let him get away with that. Wow. You mentioned that doctors can be put under probation multiple, multiple times and continue to be working. And you've also written that the Medical Board of California, their logic is that if they come down too hard or fail to consider a doctor trying to correct their faults or rehabilitate themselves, that there could be serious legal consequences against the board. But how often has that happened? It does happen. The board gets sued. But I mean, come on, you and I live under the threat of getting sued every time we write a story. I mean, I get threatened with a lawsuit every time I write a story. I still did my job. Last month in Sacramento, state lawmakers reviewed the Medical Board of California to see if maybe it should be more aggressive in disciplining bad doctors. Did they go anywhere? Those hearings happened before our stories ran, so there was very little effect. But what what comes up? over and over again when you talk to people in the legislature and people in government about making the medical board a little bit uh, more pro-patient is the the role of the California Medical Association. It's the doctor's lobby. And this summer was a classic example. There was a bill that would have raised the license fees that doctors pay by like 50% in order to beef up enforcement and allow better investigations. The CMA, the doctor's lobby, bragged in a memo to its members that they got in the ear of the the senator who was sponsoring that bill and convinced him not to raise the fees or raise them only 8% instead of 50%. And there was also a provision that would have changed the balance of power on the medical board. Right now, it's majority doctors. This measure would have made it majority public members, right? Which, you know, a lot of advocates say that's kind of what you need to do because, you know, if it, you know, it's sort of the fox watching the hen house kind of thing, if it's a majority of doctors. The CMA, again, got in the senator's ear and, you know, convinced him to, to gut that provision. And we're told that's what happens all the time. Yeah, one of the critics that you quote in the story compared it to, and it's their word, it's not mine, a pernicious cartel. I think that's heartfelt criticism from people who've been watching this for a long time. Patients come before the board, they plead their cases. Not everybody who complains has a valid complaint. But the fact is there are seriously valid complaints and serious problems. And time and time again, the doctor's lobby convinces the board we can police ourselves, essentially. And the legislators just let that fly. I wonder if with the pandemic, with the shortage of healthcare staff and resources, if it affected disciplinary actions by the medical board this past year and a half. You can't really judge anybody on what happened in the last year and a half, which is why we went back to 2008. And we're looking at sort of the broader trends. And and what we found was just, it is like clockwork. We all want to trust our doctors. I want to trust my doctor. And I, I do for the most part. But You just can't be blind to the evidence. And the California legislature is. Thank you so much for this interview, Jack. Thanks for having me. That was LA Times investigative reporter Jack Dolan. Read the series of investigations that he and our colleague Kim Christensen wrote about the Medical Board of California at latimes.com.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, a lawsuit against a video game giant seeks to tackle sexism in the industry. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Marina Peña, and Melissa Kaplan. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb. Our intern is Ashley Brown, and our theme music is by Andrew Epen. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias. Gracias.